You're listening to Bellwether's podcast with Matthews Joseph. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Bellwether's podcast. This is Matthews, and today we have someone out with us today. We all have heard the story of uh, Dwayne Johnson having $11 in his pocket and starting an acting career out of it. And we have a similar person who has a similar story, but yeah, he did not end up as an actor, but he ended up as a leader, a preacher, and a businessman. His name is Chris Dunham. He came to the U.S. in the 80s where he had nine bucks in his pocket. And from there he started, and now he's leading a, uh, leading a big business based out of Dallas, Fort Worth Metroplex. So Chris, welcome to Velvet's Podcast. It's such an honor, and uh, it's a joy to have you over here. Thanks a lot for having me, Matthew. Appreciate the, the kind words of introduction. But uh, yeah, um, I did get to act in a movie, though, a movie that our oh, really? <laughs> I played a bad guy, not as big as The Rock, but uh, I got that out of my system. It was one of my goals and uh, I got to act in a Hollywood movie. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. That's nice. OK, I definitely should see that movie. You should tell me about that. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So, Krish, uh, why don't you just uh, tell us a bit about yourself, uh, about your story, you know, definitely the $8, the $8 story that's going to be really uh, inspiring to hear for a lot of us. Well, like everybody else growing up in India, the, the land of sight and the distance uh, was the United States. Uh, everybody wanted to get out of India, not because of anything else, but opportunities were not there at that time as they are now. All my friends now in India are gainfully employed. They come out of college and get good salaries. But that was not the case when I graduated. And our parents asked us to focus on distant frontiers. So it was scary. Uh, I came to America in 1986 with nothing to my name. Unlike most people, I didn't come here to study. So my acclimatization into the American culture was baptism by fire. I went into sales. Uh, ended up winning a sales contest uh, that got me a ticket to a seminar conducted by Zig Ziglar, the legendary motivator. And uh, in one three-hour session, this man who I call a leader's leader and a motivator's motivator gave me more inspiration and information in three hours than uh, my entire college education had given me. And that uh, put me on a trajectory of now 30 plus years later, I look back and uh, I'm really grateful that uh, I had that early indoctrination uh, through his methods. Uh, and that's what brought me to where I am. So that's the Reader's Digest version. Uh, but like anything else, there are hardships along the way. And uh, when you, you know, one of the principles I teach people very simply is when life throws you a curveball and you find yourself kicked to the curb, Remember the date and time because that illustration in your life will be an example that will liberate someone else 20 years down the road. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that's that's very, very much true, you know, and you know how your story is still inspiring people. And, you know, one of the people who introduced me to you, this was a story that he shared too. So, and I think, you know, that's actually inspiring. And it's also, it also sets a curve for us too, that, you know, that no matter what situation in life you are at, you know, there's always potential. There's always, there's always a way out. And when you put your focus into it and when you put your, 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 your everything into it, you know, you can build your way out and that's amazing. And, you know, and I want to, I want to ask you like, how was it to be mentored by the great Zig Ziglar? And, you know, I'm pretty sure that you have a lot of stories and, you know, some, some big time stuff, but still, you know, out of anxiety, out of just like that, that I, I just want to ask it out, out of curiosity, how was it? And how was your experience uh, being mentored by a guy who was like, you know, it was like the, Top, one of the top leadership gurus all over the world. 
Yeah, I had a very interesting journey of almost 20 years with him. I started by carrying his suitcase and uh, I jokingly tell him, I tell people that the bookends of my journey with him, I took his shoes to be shined when no one knew who I was. And later on in life, when he had Alzheimer's and was fading in his memory, he leaned on me physically as he was forgetting who he was. I truly got to serve him. I truly got to be with him and I truly got to learn from him. But the word that is synonymous with Mr. Zig Ziglar is the word consistent. And I tell people if the dictionaries of this world ever went pictorial, the word consistency would have to have his picture, otherwise don't buy it. He was the most consistent man I knew. Um, again, like I said, a leader's leader. But one of the great principles that Mr. Ziglar taught me that I practice with everybody now in my own journey of influence is he said, always take people to places they cannot go on their own, teach them things they cannot learn on their own, and introduce them to people they could not meet on their own. Wow, that's actually amazing. That's actually some great life lessons you learned from the great guy. It's amazing. Wow. And, you know, and I, I want to jump on to my next question. Uh, as, you know, since you you did spend a lot of time in the, your, I mean, like you said, the first 20 years with Zig Ziglar. And, you know, how was it, uh, how was leader, leadership during your early years? And what were like some of the biggest lessons that you learned during your early years of leadership? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I grew up at a time when uh, the, the desire to short circuit everything was prevalent. In the early 90s, everybody was looking for a short-term quick fix, the way to make a quick buck. And most of them were aiming low and hitting because they wanted the next best thing. And the quickest thing that will come is the next best thing, but it's close and it's low on the pole. Mr. Ziegler taught me to aim high and miss. He says, I'm going to teach you to play the long game. So the first principle I learned during the journey was while everybody was looking for something that was quick, I was looking for something that would take 10 years and building a foundation. I don't know what happened to many of those people who did some of the same things I did. I've been a motivational speaker and a lecturer now for going on 30 years. In fact, December of 2022 will be 30 years since I made my first wow. presentation. But 75 countries and six continents later, I'm still going, doing 120 events a year. Uh, during COVID, I spoke to more people because people reached out to me and said, okay, you know what? Um, we know that you have learned enough to sustain us. It was not something that you just get a Zoom and a webcam and everybody became an expert. When you play the long game, one of the things you'll realize is that you're always a professional. You're not an amateur with every new fan. Right. Wow. It's actually pretty amazing, you know, how, uh, you know, you developed yourself as a leader, you know, uh, from that moment onwards, down 30 years down the lane. But right now you are actually, you know, you're one of the top notch speakers uh, for big, big time events that are on America. And which is something definitely there is God's grace. But there's also a big factor of your hard work that you put in that your, your sweat and your, your, your all your muscle that you put in, which is amazing. Right. And I. Yeah, and, uh, you know, not to, uh, sorry to, but yeah, I want to, like, there's a group called Life Search that does these big events with Tim Tebow and uh, all these other people. And somehow I anchor and I, I do the opening. And they change the other people every so often. But I asked them, why do you use me? They said, from soup to nuts, you come and deliver. You don't compete with other people. You just complete what you're asked to do. And I thought that's interesting because that's another principle I teach. When you go through life as a leader just competing, you need to add an L to that word competing because if you take the L out, it's a loss. When you add the L, it becomes goes from compete to complete. 
and you actually are part of finished work, you get to see the origin, but you get to see its birth and you get to see its fulfillment. And many people just compete aimlessly instead of trying to complete something. Right. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the major uh, it's it's actually one of the major disadvantages of this generation too, because people want to compete with each other, or you know, they want they just want to make a name for you for themselves, or you know, do a lot of stuff and just just make some noise. Whereas they don't know that you know destiny or completion is more associated with destiny, where more associated with their calling, where where you are, rather than you know rather rather than all the all all the people that you compete against. And and I genuinely believe that every person has a purpose uh, that that only they can achieve. Like and you know your purpose can only be achieved by you. Nobody else can step up and do that. So and that is very unique to ourselves. And if we don't if we don't complete our purpose, instead we go compete with others. You know, we never get anywhere. We just lose ourselves down the road. So which definitely makes a lot of sense to what you're saying. Yeah, the practical aspect of it is I ask people and I asked the people this morning in India, I said, stand up in the morning and look in the mirror and see the reflection looking back at you. Then for a moment, ponder and realize there are 8.2 billion people on planet Earth. But the reflection in the mirror shows an image and it's unique. There's only one you. And yeah. uh, that's why, you know, we were designed, Mr. Ziegler used to say, you're designed for accomplishment, engineered for success, but also endowed with the seeds of greatness, because God within created order decided long ago, there'd only be one you. Wow, that's actually true. That's actually true. That's also amazing when you think about it, that, you know, there is only you, there's, there's only the uniqueness that you have, uh, you know, the, the, you know, like, just like your DNA is unique to you. The things that you can do is also very much unique and very much uh, specific to you. And that's that's actually amazing when you think about it. And I want to go on to my next question uh, to my uh is that how you lead yourself like when you're with people and you know uh, how, how what is what are one of the ways that you actually try to, to make sure that the people who are around you are actually better yeah so i use an acronym and i'm big in formula when you reach listen to any of my stuff on youtube watch my stuff on youtube you realize that i'm very formulaic anytime i speak i try to give people two or three things they can grasp but i always leave them a formula for me lead simply stands for learning when people meet me, they need to see not a person who has come as an authority and as a teacher, but they need to feel that I'm a constant student, that for that moment and that interaction, they saw me prepare again. And that fluidity really does wonders in an encounter. They have to see that I am a constant learner. The second is they have to see my enthusiasm. Uh, like this morning when I spoke to people, it was early in the morning I got here, but I woke up at 3.30 and I'm not very fluent in Hindi, but this group doesn't understand English at all. And rather than waste time with an interpreter, I asked them if I could do my presentation in Hindi. So as much as I pride myself on that, they actually saw me for 30 minutes with simplicity do an entire sermon in Hindi for the very first time in my life. I'm 60 years old. This is too late to be starting something new. But here's the beauty of that excitement they saw someone who was eager in my excitement to do something so that they would benefit while taking myself away from my core competency, which is my language and my vernacular that I pride myself on in English. So first is they have to see a constant learner. Second, they have to see an enthusiasm that is new. The activation is the third. As a result, every encounter I try to create an activation of some sort, which means it has to be personal that when they meet me, they have to say, you know what? I can't believe I haven't met you yet. 
that activation has to be unique. And the only way you can activate in a unique way is you have to learn more about the people you're engaging with than they know about themselves. When I came to America, my dad made me study American history in India. So I actually go to Austin every year and teach American history in the state capital. And I'm a first generation immigrant and they're surprised how much American history I know. So that creates activation. And the D is discipline, which means the next time I meet, I have to use the same formula and do it all over again. So when they see me the next time, they believe that I am a present continuous reality, not a past professional. Got it. I think that that actually makes sense. You know, L-E-A-D, L-A-S in learners, E-S in enthusiasm, A-S in activation, and D-S in discipline, which actually makes a lot of sense, you know, on how, how you can be better and how you can teach people around you to be better. And I think that, that that's, you know, I th- I'm going to take that as my success mantra as well. <laughs> I'm going to definitely keep that uh, keep that down here on my, on my sticky notes. Uh, so while, while we are at that, I want to ask you something about discipline. And, you know, and ha- as, you know, as leaders, you know, we, we often, you, you, we definitely come across this word discipline a lot of times. And, you know, which also involves habits, um, which is, which is also both going hand in hand. And how do you think as leaders, uh, discipline, and and you know regular proper working habits are required and how do you think how essential do you think it is yeah discipline is a mandate in the sense that don't be disciplined to the degree that you're just doing it as a robot that's an automaton but be disciplined with excitement uh, i learned the i learned to enjoy reading much after i graduated from college but i can tell you without any fear of error I have read at least with discipline on average one book every week now for the last 27 years. Now, how do I do that? I wake up at four o'clock regardless of where I am in the world and maybe within about 15 minutes of 4 a.m. And I read for 30 minutes every morning and then I write for 30 minutes every morning. Now, because I own my own company and I own my own ministry, I represent my own ministry, I may go back to bed at at six o'clock and then wake up at 7.30, but there's something amazing that happens as a result of that. My brain now activates to what I put in just 45 minutes ago. So I am not waking up based on the thoughts of last night. I'm waking up now with fresh thoughts that I put in that morning, and it gives me a new momentum. So these are some of the things. Now, discipline, Sybil Stanton wrote a book called The 25-Hour Woman. She had one of the greatest quotes on discipline, and I've used this often. She said, discipline is not on your back, needling you with imperatives, which is a negative. She said, discipline is at your side, encouraging you with incentives, to which I used to add, the day you make yourself a slave to discipline, the world will become your oyster. Wow. That's actually amazing. That's, you know, I think that's also needed, you know, like you said about reading, you know, and, you know, as uh, I mean, one of my mentors actually told it, even tell me this right now that leaders are readers. And, you know, if you want to be a leader, you start, you got to start reading. If you cannot read, then, you know, there's no point in it because you need to learn. And, you know, lead, lead, uh, reading uh, reading books reading written by different authors is actually one of the ways where, you know, uh, you actually learn, you learn you to discipline and develop yourself, which is actually one of the most important aspects of being a leader. And you cannot be a leader when you cannot develop or discipline. your. If you cannot discipline yourself, you cannot discipline or develop other people. And I think which is very, very important on, on, on the points that you were iterating over here. And which makes a lot of sense too. And you know, as being being a leader while you discipline, you become better. And you know, when you become better, your team becomes better, which actually, you know, uh, is, is, is exactly what you're saying. 
And, you know, over to my last question, you know, I just want to ask this, like as a leader, you know, you've, you've come across like 30 years in your life and I'm pretty sure you should, you have said like no to a lot of people, no to a lot of opportunities. And, you know, what's the easiest way of saying no to a person? It's actually comes from an old sales approach, uh, which I reverse engineer. When people say N-O, no to me, I believe what they're saying is K-N-O-W. I don't know enough about you. And that's why they're not buying from me. And so that gives me permission to come back with new information. By the same way, I use the same approach. When people, when I say no to someone, I put it in such a way saying that I don't K-N-O-W enough about this reaction or this encounter at this point. Maybe in the future, better information and different thought processes will yield a different decision. What I mean is I, I let them down, but I also don't shut the door. That way, what they feel is that I'm not negating them. I'm just postponing them. This, and majority of them never come back. Even when I mentor people, I don't ever give them an answer. I always, when they say, will you mentor me? I give them six questions. And 90% of them don't come back with the answers because they want, a, they want a quick pill. They want a quick fix. They want a pill they can swallow saying, hey, you work for 30 years. Give me the secret sauce. Whereas I will start to play the long game and I will only mentor people if they want to play the long game. And as a result, I eliminate 95% of the people in my life because they're all playing the short game. Wow. That's, I think that's actually, that, that's actually, you know, very important too, because uh, again, coming back to this generation, I think everybody, uh, since we get <clears throat> one of the, one of the things like I'm really grateful for is Amazon prime, but you, you know, now they have an offer. Like if you order in the morning, you'll get something by within 5, to, 5 PM to 10 PM. And our generation has become so, so complacent and so comfortable that, you know, even when you, you, even when you can get the same thing at the next Walmart, which is like less than a mile away, you still order it on Amazon. And when, you know, the long game or the long run where you actually take time to go and purchase a product has been cut short to something that you can get on the internet. And then, you know, when I, and I think our general, especially my generation, especially people around my age do this a lot where they actually try to get stuff like this, which in the most easiest, way possible where they don't have to work for it or where where they don't have to go seeking or searching for anything and the same thing they apply to all principles in their life and when they when they want to start a business they want to be a billionaire or a millionaire overnight which it rarely happens you never make profit overnight it takes a process and i think that this generation especially people like me or people like my generation they they are they, they are very reluctant to go through the process they want they want an instant result and they want a two-minute result which never rarely i don't think it rarely even it happens so i think you know and uh, as like you know like like you say you know the no you know it, it is not you don't know much no you don't know more about you want to know more about the person or know more about what you're selling is actually what makes a difference and exactly the long game does make a difference rather than you know trying to be billionaires or trying to be businessmen or millionaires overnight and i think that's that's just purely amazing on on what what you're saying, and you know, it does make a lot of sense. And over over before we wrap up, I want to ask you like, what are some something that what is something that you want to tell to uh, the listeners, to young leaders and young entrepreneurs, uh, young professionals? I learned something about uh, about net worth uh, the other day, which I thought was quite fascinating. And the the thought is, don't buy anything unless you have 10 times what it costs put away somewhere else. <laughs> you just can't afford it. If you're buying a $100,000 house, make sure you have a million dollars somewhere. 
Otherwise, what you're doing is you're catering to someone else's brand. One of my great joys in life is as I travel around the world, people quoting me now. And I think to myself, you know, so I wrote a book on quotes and people quote me. And if I go online and say, Krishnanam said this, I thought to myself, I said, I have never wore branded clothes, but that my thoughts are branded means I am successful. I'm leaving a mark in this world. And the other thing I would like to tell leaders and upcomers who want to make an overnight success and all that, try to build a legacy and not leave an inheritance. Because if you build a legacy, you can enjoy its building. If you're trying to work on leaving an inheritance, those that get it are really glad you're dead. <laughs> wow, I think I think that's actually pretty amazing, you know. Uh, and <laughs> when you think about it, it is actually pretty funny too. But yes, I think, you know, that does make a lot of sense. And, you know. And, uh, and- lastly, I mean, there's a thought that was in my mind. I don't want to gloss it over. And that is this. As far as reading is concerned, if you want to be an effective leader, I would encourage you to start reading biographies and every year make a commitment to read four and make sure one of them is a person who had a dark stain on history, which means unless you read what doesn't work, you will never be able to apply what does. Wow. That's actually amazing, you know, and I think that's, that's uh, to add on to that. I think, you know, failures do make a lot of sense to us too, right? Because even those, those, those failed ideas, you can learn a lot of things from them. And, you know, when Thomas Edison, uh, you know, I think I've heard the story multiple times. So I think everybody would have heard the story multiple times where Thomas Edison tried to make the bulb work, the light bulb work for almost thousand times and are almost 999 times. And, uh, and when asked, uh, you, you still haven't found a way to light the bulb up or make it working. And Thomas Edison replied like this, which is pretty amazing. and said, I love that. He said, you know, I, I did not fail 990 times trying to make the light bulb work. I just figured out 990 times ways where it could not work. So always it is, it's always about the perspective, you know, even when you're failing and, you know, you, it's not, it's not like you're done, but, you know, you just like, you build it up. And, and I think those, those, those words, what you just said is actually amazing, you know, and, you know, reading more books, you know, being, being a better person, branding yourself, branding your thoughts. And I think it's amazing. And, you know, I think, uh, I think what you just said is amazing. And thank you. Thank you so much for your time. You know, every, everything that you just said, I think it's going to make a lot of sense to a lot of people and it's going to change uh, some lives. So yeah, thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for this time, for taking your time to be here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. God bless you. Yeah, sure. So guys, everybody who was listening to this, uh, that was Chris Denham. So make sure you guys take a, a, a take a look at his books. Uh, so go ahead and read him or follow him on social. Uh, he's actually a pretty amazing person. And, you know, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And see you guys next week with a brand new episode. Thank you for listening to Bellwether's podcast. If you loved this episode, do not forget to share and subscribe. Also, we would really appreciate if you could leave a review. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.